Hello and welcome to another edition of Conversations Beyond the Pew. And I am excited today because I am talking to a man named Tom who grew up around the jazz scene in Chicago. And so he has some amazing experience in that. And so we are just chatting today about his life of growing up around the Blue Note. Um, so tell me a little bit, Tom, about growing up there. Well, the Blue Note um, was uh, sort of the epicenter of jazz in Chicago in the late 40s up through to 60. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, as Duke Ellington called it, it was the Metropolitan House of Jazz. It, it had, uh, it, it featured virtually every big name in jazz in that sort of 15, 20 year period. Wow. Anybody that you can think of uh, was there, and we can get into that uh, as well. But uh, growing up there, since my father, uh, my father owned it, started it in 1947. Okay. Uh, and uh, he, um, he had the idea. Uh, it, it was it was uh, it was just a club. It was nothing special. But he 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 bought it and decided that he because he loved jazz. He wanted to turn it into a jazz club. Okay. And uh, so there was a disc jockey in Chicago uh, who played jazz uh, fairly regularly. He was a he became a very big name. Uh, some of your audience might recognize him. His name was Dave Garraway. Dave Garraway was the, the first person who started the NBC Today show. Ah. Uh, and I think many of your viewers will, or listeners will, will recognize that name. Anyway, he went to uh, Dave Garraway and said, mm -hmm. you know, I really want to do this jazz. And uh, Dave said, well, I think it's a great idea, but there's one thing that you must do if you're going to make this a successful operation. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that is that it has to be integrated, ah. which is which was in the in the late '40s and in the '50s in Chicago. Chicago was a very segregated city, mm -hmm. uh, but jazz performers, jazz lovers, were very very integrated, and so he he opened the club with that in mind, and it okay. was uh, it, it was really a revolution there uh, in, in Chicago. Uh, so uh, he started the club and, uh, and, and, and got artists coming, and uh, we as uh, kids there, uh, myself and my two sisters, okay. kind of grew up in that, uh, this will give you an idea of how old I am, but we kind of grew up there, yeah. uh, and uh, my mother would took us down there uh, for Sunday matinees. Oh, wow. So we mixed in with, with everybody and yeah. uh, all, the, all the great performers. Uh, so it became a real part of, a part of my life um, to meet these people and to hear such incredible music. Father also had, a, uh, had an idea, uh, in addition to sort of integrating the club, uh, he wanted um, it to be a place where 
younger people uh, could enjoy this great music. Okay. And of course it was, uh, you know, you couldn't go there if you were uh, underage. Uh, so he created a little section of the club called the Teen Terrace. It was kind of off to the side, sort of stage right, if you will. It was kind of uh, up, a, up a few steps yeah. uh, and had a sort of a, a railing in front of it. But y if you were underage, you could go in there and, you know, you could, you could, you could buy a Coke yeah. And, and listen to, to, the, to the greatest performers uh, in the business. That's amazing. And, and so that was, that was one of his legacies. And also, uh, well, the whole segregation thing was, oh, yeah. uh, the whole integration thing was, was a major one. And he had a bunch of uh, you know, um, awards from uh, the NAACP and the um, uh, Urban League uh, congratulating him on you know, this, this kind of a place. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure as a child, right, that gives you a totally, with a father like that and owning a club that is fully integrated, that gives you a totally different upbringing than someone who stays segregated. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Was we had, we had black performers, people uh, in our home, yeah. uh, and it was, uh, you know, a pretty lily white neighborhood, not, you know, not very, very modest neighborhood. Uh, but yeah. but all white, uh, so yeah. uh, having those kinds of folks in in the home and being uh, you know uh, learning about them, listening to them, uh, yeah, it was it's a it's a different kind of a, a, a situation I think than than otherwise. Yeah. Um, what what's something that really from those years of of meeting these performers really stands out to you? Um, is there a particular story or? Our moment. Um, there's so many great stories about these performers uh, yeah. that we, that we can talk about. Um, uh, most recently, uh, one of the really great and long-lasting jazz pianists is a man by the name of Ahmad Jamal. Uh, who is still alive? I mean, many. I think if anybody is listening to this and there and, and they know anything about jazz, they'll recognize that name. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was. Uh, he was and is. He's. I think he's eighty. I think he's in his his mid eighties, and still still performing. Uh, but he came to the Blue Note. He was, when he first performed there, he was 20, 22 years old. Oh, wow. This is back in 1951. Yeah. And um, I was going through some old notes and mm -hmm. ephemera that uh, we have around the house. And I came across his name and thought, man, I, you know, I wonder if he is even, what he's even doing now. And so I went online and uh, found his website. I said, hmm. I said, yeah, I'd love to talk or communicate with him if he's still around. My name is Tom Holtzfein. My father owned the Blue Note. Okay. And uh, he answered back right away. And uh, he told me a couple of stories about my father, which are, which are very warm and nice. Uh, he, he, he first played there when, when he was, like I said, he was 21 or 22 years old, just getting started. And uh, he, at the end of his his 
stay there five days or six days or whatever it was. I guess he, he, he did really well, and a lot of folks came. And he said, uh, your father gave me a $1,000 bonus. Oh, wow. And he said, with that, I took off for Paris, and it was kind of like a really kickstart for my career. Cool. And uh, so, yeah, lots of stories like that. Um, there's uh, uh, one of the stories I remember. Um, uh, the, the Blue Nun in, in, its, in its later days, um, uh, as, as the uh, people ask me, well, wh why did it close? It closed like in 1960, okay. and so it had like a 15, 13, 15 year run. Okay. And well, wh how, did, how did it close, and why did it close? And um, there, was, there was a number of reasons, but one of them was the cost of, of, of these artists was just skyrocketing. So he, uh, one of the examples he, okay. he told me was, so, the first time that um, Nat King Cole played there, yeah, um, uh, it was whatever whatever it was X dollars for for a one week performance. Mm -hmm. Subsequently, he had a uh, uh, he made some, he had a, a major record hit. I think it was Nature Boy or one of one of his big early hits. And when my father tried to get him the next time, his salary had like tripled, yeah. and he just simply couldn't afford it. Yeah. And so there was people like that, uh, or, or situations like that, which, which because of the, the cost of, of performers, uh, really became difficult for a, a club. Uh, um, because the other thing that was happening was they began performing in large venues, big arenas and right. things like that, where you know you get, you get hundreds and hundreds of people, and right. uh, of course they in, in get paid a lot more money, so coming to a smaller club um, was, you know, tough for the owner to 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 do. Although, yeah. although it was uh, the Blue Note was a uh, was a sizable club, which it it had to be uh, because you have, you need a stage for 16, 17 piece orchestras. In, you know, if you have the oh, big wow. orchestras, for example, the big the big bands were people like Duke Ellington, of course, who played yeah. there more than anybody else. Okay. Uh, Count Basie, uh, uh, Stan Kenton, um, uh, Lionel Hampton with his bands, uh, Harry James with his bands. So these were big 16-piece bands, and that was one type of, of, of performer uh, that played there. But so, so it was a sizable stage. Yeah. With a, with a fairly good size uh, crowd, uh, so you had so you had to accommodate pe uh, uh, people uh, or per or uh, performers of of that size. Then you had um, I can sort of the big categories. Uh, so you might recognize some of these. These were uh, sort of, sort of the great uh, jazz pianists. So you've got as I mentioned, Ahmad Jamal, uh, Oscar Peterson. Um, Dave Brubeck, yeah. um, uh, George Shearing, um, um, well, many that I can't pull off the top of my head right now, but um, uh, so the, the great pianists, the great, the great vocalists, so you had, um, I know, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Sarah Vaughan, Billie Holiday, all those, those yeah big names in, in sort of the, uh, and then many lesser names uh, that were just, you know, really big in, in jazz in those days. So, um, 
yeah, it was it was a it was a kind of a um, uh, different, interesting place to grow up. And like I said, we we were down there frequently, uh, with my mother taking us down for the matinees, and and then we would uh, oftentimes uh, we would uh, uh, go out to dinner then with. With some of these performers, oh, cool. after, after you know, kind of Sunday yeah. matinee, and then then go to dinner yeah. b- before they had to go back and do the evening set. Wow! Uh, That's so, so um, well, it's kind of interesting. Um, I refer a lot to music in uh, uh, my worship services. Yeah. And some of my older folks will go, um, "Why don't you play, you know, some of the older stuff?" And I'm like, "Well, like, what are you talking about?" And I realize yeah. they're talking about like stuff from the '40s, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, well, I could play, but the only people like I don't I don't have a frame of reference for that mu- music other than jazz, mm-hmm. and, and so I automatically I'm like Ella Fitzgerald, right. you know, Duke right. Ellington. I'm like I can go to go to them and immediately yes. think of them. Yes. Um, so I'm not sure what they have in mind, but I'm like, sure. well, no, well, those jazz pieces, some of them I love Ella, but. Yeah. I'm not certain I could play or or a couple of these things work necessarily in the, in the sermon the way that other things work. Right. Um, right. But it it's kind of fun to to reflect upon those older pieces that that give so much life. I mean, when you put those on, there's something yeah. that moves the spirit. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned Duke Ellington and of course he's he's a favorite and he and my father were very good friends and close friends for all their lives, for all f- from the lives since he first met him, which is in the mid forties, yeah. uh, until he passed away and my father passed away. But um, uh, you know, in in terms of what you're talking about, you know, he has he did a lot of sacred music. Ah, Duke Ellington. Oh yes, very cool. Oh, yeah. That's you, good to know. Now my, you, yeah. you need to look into that. He did he yeah. much much sacred music. Um, and uh, actually, uh, along those lines here, the other, uh, this Christmas, um, to put it in context, um, Duke Kelly can sent out Christmas cards. I guess you'd have to call them Christmas cards, although they weren't cards. Okay. They were large uh, pieces of uh, uh, paper uh, that uh, were folded over a couple of times, and you open them up, and they were, whatever that is, uh, two, uh, 24 by 36 inches, let's say, yeah. and they were. Uh, uh, they came out any time from December to March. So he was whenever he okay. had time to write something, he'd he'd he'd, he'd send the cards out, and uh, they're abs- they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, we had them. I had them framed because my mother saved uh, half a dozen, six or eight of them, uh, and uh, they're they're spectacular in 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 the spiritual message uh, that that he said. In fact, I framed them and they were hanging here oh, in the church wow. at Christmas time. Oh, very cool. So it was cool, but yeah, no, he's he has a, a very spiritual bent to him, and. Um, that's something I, I think you, you you could look at, yeah. um, uh, you know, music along those lines for those folks that you're talking about. I mean, if you you you've got to take into account people like uh, Dave Brubeck, um, 
who uh, spanned the whole life of, of the uh, of the Blue Note and then into his into the 80s and the 90s. I think he just died here several just not too long ago, but that's that's kind of music that uh, I know that your your folks and and you know it's something that you're going to enjoy your age. Oh yeah, as well. So yeah, um, yeah that's what seeing uh, growing up in this uh what did you learn about music besides a, a an appreciation for it yeah um, well definitely an appreciation for it and an appreciation for that that kind of music for sure it's been a part of my life forever uh the jazz um uh, of course we're, we're big fans um we have quite a large collection of that music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just an appreciation for it, an appreciation for, uh, I think, as I started off talking about the, this, the integration theme that kind of ran through our whole life at home and I, I hope has been a significant part of my life as well. Uh, I, I think the Blue Note experience was was one yeah. of of that. I think that was well, stayed with me all my life. Yeah. Well, and did you see how the community also responded to it? Like it, this was like an oasis in the Chicago. Yes, it was. The segregation issues that people could actually come together yeah. in a place, be together, know each other be in community with one another. Yes. And things could be well. Exactly. And on that issue, um, I remember um, several years ago, uh, I was back in Chicago visiting, and I went to the um, Chicago, uh, used to be called the Chicago Historical Society. It's now called the Chicago History Museum. And uh, my mother donated a lot of, uh, of things of the Blue Note, to, oh, okay. so it's so it's on file that, that yeah, anybody yeah. can anybody can go there and they can they can file. There's all sorts of records there of uh, who played there and, and uh, all sorts of photographs and uh, you know you can look at uh, who played there and you know when did they play there and you know uh, how much were they paid yeah. and all, all sorts of interesting um, cool. as I call it ephemera. Uh, there. So anyway, I was I was visiting and I, I was going over there and they were doing a um, uh, a special um, um, I don't know what you'd call it uh, a section of of the museum uh, devoted to um, uh, nightlife in Chicago and there prominently I didn't even realize that they were putting together this a whole section on the Blue Note. Cool. And so, they were still working on it, and uh, but but I could see the you know the big logo of the Blue Note, it, it's 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 famous logo, and I I asked somebody about it, and they said, well that's not open yet, and I said, well, you know the Blue Note, that was my father owned. Oh come on in, come on in. So oh, we nice. went in and we looked at it, and there was some some interesting photographs up there. I'm getting to your point, <laughs> slowly but surely. No, no, it's all I'm good. Getting... It's all good. <laughs> so uh, there, hanging was was a, 
a number of uh, of the photographs that I was talking about that we we had donated there. Yeah. And one of them was um, uh, a stage on on the stage of the Blue Note, and uh, with uh, Duke Ellington was standing on one side, and then in the middle were um, fifteen or twenty children, kids. Okay. Uh, lined up. And uh, this was kind of it was, this was a this was a Christmas uh, show, mm-hmm. um, and so the curator said, "Well, do you know what's so interesting about this photograph?" Uh, I said, yeah, "What What do you think?" And she said, "Black children, white children, black children, white children, all lined up across the front of the stage. It was, um, you know, parents in the in the." Out in the auditorium or in the in the in the club, and all their kids yeah. up on the stage, but mixed races. Um, so, okay, you know when you when you kind of grow up that way, yeah, um, you, you just have a different outlook on life. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of those barriers automatically aren't built. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or you don't even. Yeah, you don't you don't even know there were barriers, right? And right. There weren't barriers. Right. right. For you, there weren't. There weren't barriers. When there were so many. Yeah. For, yeah. For others. So, but the, yeah, that's a strong legacy of the Blue Knot, um, as I mentioned earlier. But, uh, well, especially it, at that time, this was this was a huge deal in the in the fifties. Yes, it was. Um, well, it was it was a huge deal as we were talking about from from that standpoint. If if, if what we we're talking about was integration, it was. It, uh, the, but the Blue Note was a huge deal in in the music industry. Um, as I said, you know, all of the big names were there, and um, uh, Duke Ellington, among others, was the, had I think he was there the, played the most times. Uh, I think Louis Armstrong played there almost as many times. Right. So uh, anyway, now we are on so, the good. Okay. Yes. Anyway, those are those are you know those are some of the the big names and um, yeah, it was uh, it was a, an institution in Chicago uh, from a musical standpoint for sure. Do you think uh, people were able to hold up the Blue Note in Chicago and say, "Listen, no integration really does work"? Like they could yeah. point to that place. I, I would say so. Uh, you know, I, I'm yeah. not saying that it was the only one, but it certainly was a pioneer yeah. in, in in the integration, and and really it, it was it was almost a necessity as as I mentioned at the very beginning. Dave Garraway said, you know, this is this is an integrated uh, musical genre, and yeah. you if you're going to be successful in it, you've got to do it. So it 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 wasn't the easiest thing. To pull off, okay, um, just because of, of of what what Chicago was in those days. Yeah, so, um, you know, so. So, where else would you? what is the biggest lesson that you take away from your experience growing up there? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, certainly a love of music. Um, that that's for sure uh, it's um, and and I have to say particularly jazz music uh, but all kinds of music but in particular jazz and um, I, I 
I have it on all day. I listen to it in the car all day on <laughs> on, on Sirius yeah. XM Channel 67. <laughs> is is real jazz and it's great. Um, uh, and I play the music uh, of of those days all the time. Um, so so certainly that I take away is, is a yeah. love of music. Um, uh, you know, one story. I'm just I'm just thinking now. There's no chronological sequence no, of anything no, that I've not. said. No, there's not. No, this is just a conversation. <laughs> okay, this is so. a conversation. Because it, not that I want to spend the entire time uh, on integration, but it was it was important. And uh, one story that my father told me uh, had to do with Duke Ellington. So he wanted to uh, take Duke Ellington out to dinner uh, after one of the performances. Yeah. And uh, he could not find a restaurant that would allow Duke Ellington, a black man. Yeah. Uh, and he, here was, so, so he, he called around to many places in Chicago, couldn't find anybody, uh, if you can even imagine this. So right. finally, so in, foreign. Yeah. It's, finally in, um, uh, he knew uh, a woman who owned a restaurant in Evanston. Evanston is the first suburb just, just north of the, of the city of Chicago. Okay. And uh, she said, uh, well, I don't want to, but because it's you, Frank, um, I'll let it happen. So here's, here is this, this genius, this yeah. giant in, in the world of music and entertainment, one of the greatest ever, um, uh, c- couldn't get a meal in Chicago in a white restaurant. Wow. So those were those, that's the kind of days it was. Yeah. Um, so certainly I take that with me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's the um, uh, sort of my father's very um, uh, broad outlook on, on life mm-hmm. and uh, his... Uh, his love of um, uh, certain kinds of entertainment just because of what they were, not because of the kind of person that they were. So I take a lot of that with me. Um, and that he wasn't going to be stopped either. When he, he wanted to take Duke Ellington to, yeah, to dinner, he, and he wasn't, he wasn't going to stop until he figured it out. Right, right, um, uh, yeah. We did. So right, because so often, right, when something gets hard, we like stop and we're right. like, "Well, I guess we can't do it." Yes. But he was like, "No, nope, yeah. we're gonna figure it out." Perseverance, and uh, you know, I think it paid off. Um, I mean, he. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I don't know what the percentage of black performers were, but it it's it's above fifty percent for sure. I mean, there's many many great white performers, for sure, who were there, but. But a high percentage yeah. uh, were black, and um, um, so you know, you just you grow up like that. Yeah. Um, what an amazing experience to be able to grow up. Yeah. With that. Yeah, it was. It was. And the Chicago was was in Chicago. The Blue Note was uh, it, well in in the entire country was because performers came from across from across the country. Um, you know, from New York to California, New Orleans, lots from New Orleans. Um, 
So it's a, it's a great, great eclectic mix of, of, of people, and cool. I was happy to be a part of it, lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of ask everybody this. Um, yeah. What piece of wisdom do you live by? Tolerance. Okay. Uh, and appreciation for um, what's different from you and from what you've experienced. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Maybe. Well, Tom. Okay. <laughs> thank you for sitting down and chatting with you me are, for a Kara. bit. Yeah, I, no, this was great. Well, I hope so. I hope so. It's, it, yeah. you know, it's stuff that's near and dear. It's just, it, it's my life, really. So I'm just talking about my life. Yes. Uh, well, and I, I, there's something good about when people can talk about their lives. Yeah. It, it, you know, as not long as it's not boring. It, right. You know. <laughs> right. Hold no. on, that's just about enough. Oh, that, that's yeah. right. Okay. Stop right All there. Right. <laughs> right. Oh. But our experiences that uh, not only have enriched ourselves, but then they enrich somebody else who's who may be listening. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Well, uh, cool. to all those listening today, uh, thank you for taking the time. And um, I hope we've piqued your interest. I hope that you're going to go listen to a whole bunch of jazz now uh, and let that just flow through your spirit. May your week be one that is blessed by the beauty and by tolerance all around. Have a great one.